0: Hey everyone, this is A&M Reviews. I'm Adrian.
1: I'm Muhammad. This is a podcast where we talk about movies,
0: TV shows,
1: and all things superheroes.
0: Be sure to check us out on YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter,
1: which will all be linked in the description of the podcast. Thanks for listening. Welcome back everybody to A&M Reviews. It's Muhammad and Adrian, and today we're going to review the film Oppenheimer, and this film stars Killian Murphy as J. Robert Oppenheimer, Florence Pugh as Gene Tatlock, Robert Downey Jr. as Louis Strauss, Emily Blunt as Kitty Oppenheimer, uh, Matt Damon as General Leslie. Um and a lot of other cameos in here, but that's pretty much the main cast there But mm-hmm. this film was about. During World War II, Lieutenant General Leslie Groves Jr. appoints physicist J. Robert Oppenheimer to work on the top secret Manhattan project. Oppenheimer and a team of scientists spend years developing and designing the atomic bomb. Their work comes to fruition on July 16th, 1945, as they witnessed the world's first nuclear explosion, forever changing the course of history. So, what did you get from the film Oppenheimer?
0: Yeah, so um, I mean, it's interesting as a history piece, but I guess it's also from a new perspective. So it makes it, um, I guess, classified as a thriller or a drama. Um, So, and I haven't done like a lot of fact checking to see, you know, what may have been over exaggerated or kind of ran together or skipped that kind of stuff because it was already such a long movie, um, but, you know, I, I liked it. I mean, of course, I, I can't, I don't know if I'll say it's original, um, just because obviously it's telling a story that's, you know, based in real life, um, but it definitely tried to make a historical event uh, more entertaining, which well, it was appreciated, but there were some parts, of course, in dialogue where, you know, you kind of get lost in, Is what they're saying even relevant? You don't really know. Um, But I think it comes back together in the end pretty well.
1: Okay. Um, So you found it entertaining.
0: I did. And I will say for me, the (laughs) beginning and out there, the first half and the second half feel like almost two different movies. Um, And I don't know if it's one of those cases where it should have been on Netflix where you can watch like the historical documentary and then watch the dramatized version like as a part two or something like that um but yeah the first half was a little bit like the history channel um once the bomb went off it it it, it picked up a little bit there was a little more speed a little bit more emotion i think um and that made it more interesting but the first half was a bit rough
1: okay um I felt like pieces of it were pretty interesting than others. It just really wasn't. Um, I mean, I don't want to sound ignorant, but Mm. this was boring. It it was pretty boring. Um,
0: (laughs) A lot of history.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with history. It's just maybe how it was dramatized, you know? Um, uh, I mean, a a lot of it is guys just talking in a room and Mm -hmm. getting excited about you know the quantum realm and and things like that which <laughs> can be pretty interesting but it depends on how you show it mm-hmm. and a lot of it is just talking um you know uh, i i did like the struggle the internal struggle that oppenheimer had that That's was right. shown pretty well um you know he had many women flock into him for reasons mm-hmm. they didn't really show in the movie he, they just showed up <laughs> um But, uh, you know, he built this bomb or he was in or thinking about constantly thinking about furthering his research, um, improving himself. And um, it led to this atomic bomb, this breakthrough. And he was suffering with the consequences, you know, what he had done. He was he was thinking, like, what have I really done? Am I going to destroy the world with this or? Is it going to make even more weapons out of this? You know, that internal struggle, I thought, was the best part of the film. The part with Robert Downey Jr., uh, that was more more like a court case type of thing. And it wasn't very interesting. I know Mm -hmm. it's, you know, uh, important for the historical portion, Mm -hmm. but I didn't find it interesting. And it really took away from the movie for me.
0: Okay it and this is where the beginning and the end makes a difference cuz i thought the ending or i'll say the second half of the movie um with his with with Downey's piece um i found it engaging not necessarily because of what was on what he was saying or like what was happening um more so his acting i really appreciated um i agree his acting so was really good it was so and he pulled a lot out of a lot out of the script to make it feel even emotional a bit um but i can't, it's, but you're right it's a different vibe than even the research parts that might have been boring um or oppenheimer's life um it's just cuz cuz he's telling it in the past but you know, he didn't reveal his secrets till the end and then it all flips and he becomes kind of a villain um is not expected that that switch for me not knowing you know the ins and out of the history of this so it was, a, it was a nice dramatic twist in how it was filmed that way, I guess, in that order. Um, and then, of course, they do the different film style where it's black and white or um, kind of the what I guess what they would consider the real time piece was like black and white because that's how film, I guess, would have been at that time. But the memories when they were told were in color and then the future, which wasn't present day, was also in color, which was interesting.
1: Well, from some of the research that I did, so it was like two different perspectives that were being shown on the screen. So Mm -hmm. Oppenheimer, his uh, perspective was shown in color. Mm -hmm. And then we had the perspective of um, Robert Downey Jr.'s character Mm -hmm. Strauss. Strauss. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that was more of kind of like an objective view of what was thought about Oppenheimer. And that's why Mm -hmm. they put it in that black and white color.
0: Gotcha. 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 Do you think, um, do you think Oppenheimer himself was an interesting character to watch?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, because he had that internal struggle. He also dealt with, uh, multiple women throughout his life and they don't really show why they are attracted to him. They kind of just show up, especially Mm -hmm. with Florence Pugh. Um, and just looking at some of the research, she was a lot more than or she did a lot more than what they showed in the movie. Mm,
0: mm-hmm. I mean,
1: because you just think that she's just a side chick that just wants to be the main chick. But no, <laughs> she was actually somebody who was a part of the Communist Party. She did a lot like she had yeah. a, had a degree. She, she was like a scientist, but none of that is shown in this film.
0: No. Um, and, <laughs> and I guess it's also so much time even though the movie is still three hours, there's so much time that they're going through it. It does kind of feel like zooming are coming out of nowhere. Um, but in the grand scheme of things, only a couple throughout this, the time that's being filmed. Um, but, and those parts were told, I guess, through his lenses. So um, you got more of maybe what they meant to him, which maybe wasn't as much as they meant to science.
1: <laughs> well, even his wife, I mean, She Mm -hmm. was just shown as somebody who was always upset, depressed. Um, uh, Emily Blunt played her character. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, she was just never happy. I mean, especially, I think, one of the first few times that we see them, uh, you know, she's happy to see him come home, but the baby's crying in the background. (laughs) And he's like, you know, you don't hear that? He's like, I've been taking care of him all day.
0: Right. (laughs)
1: she just walks out and he decides oh you know what let's get rid of this baby i'm gonna have somebody else take care of
0: him <laughs> Bold move. And was, i'm like i hope that it didn't happen that fast in real life like he thought about it before just dropping his kid off um but he's like yep i'm not gonna take care of it so I just better find somebody else to get on that <laughs>
1: <laughs> and they end up having another one too but um i think she was also like some kind of scientist. She was also part of the communist party of America. Um, She was a biologist, botanist, you know, she was pretty important, but they, they didn't really show much of that. Um, But like you said, it was the point of view of Oppenheimer. And maybe that's what he thought of his wife and mistress and other women that were out there that I don't think they showed. Um, but you know, he was a man on a mission and mm-hmm. just going through this film. I'm definitely not going to go through every single part because I don't remember everything. And it's not very interesting. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I mean, I I've seen so many reviews. I mean, cause I actually watched some reviews before I came into the movie because, mm-hmm. um, I mean, most times I don't want to be spoiled, but for this, I'm mm-hmm. just like, this is going to take some deeper thinking. Sure. And, uh, some research so you know i had to go into it with some prior knowledge but um i will say that the the director christopher nolan you know he's a really good director he's made a whole bunch of good movies um not a huge fan of his last film tenant uh but i will Hmm. say that it was more interesting than this at least to me but um a lot of reviews are like it's bold it's breathtaking it's a blockbuster it's mm-hmm. all these things. I'm like, ah, it's so hard for me to see this. Like, I, I don't see what they're talking about. Um, But that's why I was interested to see what your perspective was on yeah, just like the whole general film.
0: Yeah, and I think um, you're right. I mean, it got a lot of attention and people are saying these people did their Oscars and whatnot for their acting. So I think you have to look at it for, through multiple lenses to feel the hype. I think you have to look at it from a historical lens, from a, a, just a study of film. Um, the, I forget what technology was used, but the way they made it black and white was the first film of its kind to be filmed that way. There have been black and white films, but this, I believe it's something to do with the IMAX cameras where like the it's purely black and white. It's not just filtered to be after the fact. Um, and that was a technological revolution in some way. So um, there's stuff like that's going on. The acting, um, I, did, I didn't I did watch any um, reviews or anything about it before I saw the movie. Um, I did see an interview with Christopher Nolan where he talked about specifically Robert Downey Jr. And people were saying like, how did you think to pick Iron Man for this? Very different character. And he was saying how for his films, he typically doesn't try to write them for it an actor um, because it limits what the character could be. So rather he'd write it in a way and Robert Downey Jr. picked it up and just made it what it was. So it was great. Um, so I think like for those reasons, it's 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 very interesting. I also think being that it was released with Barbie at the, at the same opening weekend, I think that helped the movie because some of the hype around it was just the fact that these movies that couldn't be further apart from alike uh, being two anticipated films at the same time, I think that fed into the success. Um, and then, of course, all the names attached to it, all the actors and actresses who are just very high caliber or rec- well recognizable, even if they had small parts. Um, all those things fed into it. So I think there were so many audiences who would have liked one thing about the movie. It made a really big net for, for the movie really popular.
1: Yeah, um, I definitely think the timing of when it came out definitely helped, along with um, Christopher Nolan just being a great Mm -hmm. director and already making a lot of good films. And also the cast, like you said, because, I mean, it has a lot of popular people who have made a lot of good movies. Mm -hmm. I mean, Florence Pugh, Robert Downey Jr., Emily Blunt, Remy Malek, um, Matt Damon, josh peck is in this i mean maybe for like right. five minutes
0: <laughs> yeah and they, they did it in a way where it didn't feel like a, it didn't feel like a cameo it was like you just see them acting and then oh that's 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 so-and-so oh that's so-and-so and i think whenever you have a movie and i don't know if that's because it was so boring or what but whenever you have a movie so you feel it's boring uh, well well I, was, well I was gonna say the lines of like josh peck for example he wasn't giving anything exciting to do right so his it didn't There wasn't a moment where you're like, oh my gosh, it's it's that actor. Um, Even Matt Damon, for example, he didn't do anything that was really like what Matt Damon is known for, um, because he was an action star and those kinds of things. So when you see him in this role, you're like, oh, that's Matt Damon. So I think whenever you can have a movie where you're like surprised to see him as people, taking on what feels like a side role, that's a really good sign that it's a good movie. Because if anything, they thought it was valuable of their time to do this. And do it in a way that's not traditional to their acting style. So they're trying harder. There's more effort going into it. You appreciate it. Where on the other end of the spectrum, you have movies, any Dwayne the Rock Johnson movie. If he's playing himself in the movie, it might be an exciting movie, but you could argue it's boring because you've seen Dwayne be that already. (laughs) Whereas here you have them stretching their acting chops, and I think that's what makes it interesting.
1: Yeah, I thought that the acting was... Uh, top-notch everything when it comes to outside of the story is is very mm-hmm. top-notch um mm-hmm. the visuals especially when uh uh Oppenheimer, he's struggling with trying to get some of these ideas out you know the, the constant thinking about uh, what do they call it um whatever they use to make the bomb <laughs> Some yeah. of that stuff, like splicing atoms and all that stuff. Exactly. We get those visuals, um, those back and forth. It's, it's almost like a genius having something in his mind that he needs to get down on paper. And, um, you know, he was struggling with that, especially mm-hmm. in the beginning. I guess it was supposed to be like a younger him. I mean, right. they just had darker hair on him and that's pretty much it. But right, <laughs> right. but he was in college and... Um, you know he struggled with doing the lab work because he thought it was just boring. It wasn't exciting enough for him. Like he was being limited, and um, you know his professor was, you know, really on his case, mm-hmm. and he got sick of him. <laughs> so he was pretty much gonna kill him. He put like some yeah. kind of uh, cyanide in his apple. <laughs>
0: yeah, that was he had a dark moment.
1: Yeah. Thoughts um, one. Yeah. But I saw somewhere where it actually went further than what they showed hmm. because uh, I think like his parents had to get involved because they actually caught him like he got caught mm-hmm. doing that and um, almost got expelled or something. But I mean, they kind of just play it off like, you know, don't eat that apple and you just threw it away. Right. Um, but that was pretty interesting. Uh I don't know if it felt this way to you, but I felt a little confused at first because they kept going back and forth between time periods and moments. I'm like, what's the main point here?
0: <laughs> yeah, and that, that, for me, again, that was that first half where it's like, okay, does where they where they are right now, does it really matter to space, time, and matter? like They're having a conversation in a classroom at a school somewhere. Is this relevant? I don't really know. To me, the it didn't feel like things, at least like locations, were relevant till they were in New Mexico, testing the bomb and things like that. And then Congress, the congressional hearing, made more sense. Then the investigation of questions in the back room made more sense for the security clearance things like that. And it's also like, I mean, to make this a dramatic movie, which is really just a, if the, if I'll say, if it wasn't filmed this way. And it was filmed like a documentary. It would be a very, very, very boring documentary. So to make it even remotely interesting took work, um, and I think that's another reason why it it's getting so much praise.
1: Yeah, um, it. I guess it took it to another level, but those boring parts are still in there. They're um, still there. <laughs> when you compare Christopher Nolan's films, which one would you say? is the least interesting you can include this in there
0: interesting i gotta look at oh let me actually look up a list of the ones that i have seen what do i think is the least interesting interstellar Do you remember that
1: yeah um i watched some of it i, I, I never finished it
0: right because it was so boring <laughs> <laughs> that is right <laughs> that's exactly the one that i think is the most boring interstellar and i think i've watched it twice <laughs> it's about necessary Um,
1: for me, I'm just not a huge fan of uh, Matthew McConaughey, so that yeah. played into the <laughs> boring part. <laughs> <But> <laughs> so, um, maybe that's why I never finished it. But um, yeah, uh, that's probably a tie between Oppenheimer and Interstellar. <laughs>
0: okay, but you know what? They're both huge films. Still, three hours. Well, I don't know if they, I'm saying like how popular they are. Oh, <laughs> but I think Interstellar did pretty good too.
1: Maybe, um, but actually, I, I didn't see Dunkirk either. I mean, that one's probably pretty interesting.
0: No, I, I didn't actually. That's a
1: war that. film. Um, and before Inception, I didn't really see a whole bunch of his stuff either. But for me, Inception is at the top. That, that is the best of the best.
0: Better um, than all the Batmans?
1: Yeah, easily. For me, easily. Easily. I take I Inception know. over any Batman film.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I agree. Um,
1: for me, Tenet is interesting until I mm-hmm. start to watch it and questions lead to more questions and then I get frustrated. So, um, yeah, I just don't want to go down that rabbit hole again. It's it's, so you're it's enticing.
0: Category. You're falling into the Zack Snyder, it's too hard for you to understand category. No. <laughs> it's a work of art. <laughs>
1: no. It is a work of oh, art no. in certain ways, but it's, it's so enticing just wanting to understand everything and get everything but then you're just like, wait a minute. Why does this happen? Because this happens. And then it just mm-hmm. keeps going. Um, but maybe one day I'll watch it again. Um, I did re-listen to our tenant review at, you know, not too long mm-hmm. ago. And um, I was pretty hard on that film. Oh, yeah.
0: I don't call it garbage.
1: Oh, I didn't call it garbage. I think it was a background noise. Um it- <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was um, I think it was more interesting than Oppenheimer, but it's it's a lot of questions um for that film, but yeah. Oppenheimer, for me, is just way too long. This movie definitely could have been shorter,
0: yeah, I, yeah, I think they could have cut- cut a great deal of the movie
1: an hour. Um, <laughs>
0: Yeah. They probably could. Cause yeah. His backstory. Is it relevant? I don't know. Hey, well, I'll put it. There was one line at towards the end um uh, from President Eisenhower whenever he was talking to to Oppenheimer and he was like, um uh Oppenheimer was saying, um, I don't know if it should just we should continue the program. You know, this is really big. And Eisenhower looks at him and waves his his cloth in front of him and said
1: wasn't it truman it's truman right
0: oh truman you're right I'm um, yeah you're right this is after Eisenberg. um truman waves his um his handkerchief and says uh you think the japanese care about who built the bomb? i'm the one who sent it <laughs> and it was i feel like that was kind of an, an allegory for the whole thing like who do you do you think you're important i don't i mean not really, in the grand scheme of things. And guess what? In learning history, in history class, things like that, no one talks about Oppenheimer. He didn't have a chapter, right? No, um, I, I
1: really didn't know who he was.
0: No, no. <laughs> the effects of the atomic bomb, you know, nuclear war, all those things, you know, that's stuff that you know people hear about all the time, or at least in history class, and things like that. But um, the person who made the thing, it's rare that they get a movie. So you're already reaching with making the story interesting i can't think of many other movies purely about the inventor of a thing now it's rare that the inventor of a thing says what he invented was wrong or bad but i can't think of an example
1: yeah and also to expand on what you were talking about with truman um you know he didn't care about his feelings oppenheimer and He's also saying, you think you got blood on your hands? Right. I got more.
0: I'm <laughs> the president of the United States. Do you know how many people I kill every day that no one talks about? And that's before drones. Hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, it really made him seem truly evil, the uh, president.
0: Well, I think I could see it. I could see saying evil. I think it's a reality check. That the United States in order to preserve the life that we have come to enjoy, even when we don't like it, um, has a lot of ethical and moral um, uh, admissions or omissions um, to get what we have, and people, you know, pick a cause and they. You know, for whatever they say, you know, I'm doing this or I'm not doing that. I'm boycotting this, whatever. Um, and, and to make a difference, but by association, being an American has, uh, you know, that 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 flag is stained. Like with all countries, though. Um, so for a person to think their actions or thoughts alone have any significant impact on the grand scheme of things, you know, it's very. Uh, Self-centered a little bit. And I think that's what Strauss was uh, upset about, really, is that Oppenheimer gets to be this moral arbiter of who should use this technology after he used it so he can kind of wash his hands and take the credit. And I think that really bothered Strauss. Um, Doesn't mean what he did he should have done. Obviously, that was very corrupt. But um, I I understood his character a lot. I understood being upset by that.
1: And also, why do they make it seem like we don't know that he was the one who was behind um you know getting Oppenheimer caught or his um clearance taken away?
0: I guess to give you a reason to keep watching. <laughs> I mean in history we would know, but
1: but not even looking at history, even at the beginning of the film, it just seems like you know he's you know against him he's the opposing person
0: a little shady
1: <laughs> like it's almost like we're we're looking from the omniscient view and yes. everybody else is like oh we don't know uh who's really behind or even oppenheimer he doesn't really know mm-hmm. that he's against him
0: right and that, i mean that's, i mean i'm sure that was a choice on purpose you know every every story has a different point of view sometimes you watch it through the lens of the main character or you're outside of it so
1: yeah, that brought a little less tension for me when it came to the case going up against each other. I'm like, mm, why are we really following this that much? Um, I didn't feel like it invited any very important parts. Mm. Uh, unless you have a different perspective. Maybe I missed something.
0: Um, No, I don't think you missed anything. I think this movie did a lot... Of background work for even the smallest of payoffs. So I think a lot of that was just getting more understanding from the other perspective, even knowing what, or what happened. Um, but it was just through a lot of long dialogues spread throughout the movie. So it could be easy to not care about a lot of it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I felt it.
0: Yeah, I, mean, I also think it's like a reverse of FOMO. Like, I I don't think all the people who are excited about this movie and are praising it, I don't think that they fully understand the movie. <laughs> they don't want to be the person that says, "You know what, guys, this isn't for me." <laughs> I think that's a lot of it too.
1: Well, that's me. I th- this is not for me. <laughs> I will say it. I'm going to stand up and say it. This is not yeah. for me. Yeah, um, it's not that it. Like I gotta have a lot of action. But sure. I felt like we should have had more. I mean, we we had the emotion, but I, I didn't really it's just connect a historical
0: with it. movie. It's just a historical movie. And usually they just aren't they don't get this much hype. Um, but this one did. Um and it kind of reminds me of like get out, for example. And get out had a lot of like messages in the background. People were, you know picking up on all these things you missed or even even the Barbie movie people all these things you missed behind the scenes but the difference is people aren't admitting they didn't see stuff they're just like watching the reviews or joining the hype being like yeah that was so cool or yeah the way they filmed it was so amazing when actuality when they're watching it did they really get all that I don't think so. Because some of the stuff that's really good is stuff that usually the public doesn't necessarily appreciate vocally.
1: No, I mean, there, there, there's a lot of dialogue in this, a lot of talking, a lot of mm-hmm. sitting down, um, going back and forth, Killian Murphy looking with his mouth open. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's half of his scenes. Right. Some of it, you know, is, I, I think it should be there because he's filling that internal struggle, you know, he's getting all his praise after being uh, the father of the atomic bomb and and being a a success and then struggling with, you know, what did I really just do? Did I just hand, Mm -hmm. hand uh, the government, the keys to the the destruction of the world? Um, Even leading up to that, he's theorizing what could happen if we do this, could it end the world or is it just going to be this, you know, bomb for this certain area Um, and that was the most interesting part of the film for me his internal struggle his mistresses and (laughs) wife Mm -hmm. I mean I'm not sure if it happened like this in real life but he picked up his wife very quickly and she was already married like they they met at some party they, I think kiss at the same party and then mm-hmm. the next scene they're married and have a child. I'm like, what? Right. What happened to the previous husband? I mean, like <laughs> she just kicked him to the side? We're I done. mean, she kicked Oppenheimer to the side. He was barely there.
0: Yeah, they didn't do them justice.
1: <laughs> uh, Because it seemed like she was upset the whole time. I mean, she knew about the mistresses. She was just... I mean, it seemed like she was fed up.
0: Yeah, she's mad a lot of it in the movie, but I think she did that very well.
1: Oh yeah, Emily Blunt. Yeah, she was <laughs> definitely really good. A- even Florence Pugh, um, definitely see her in a different perspective.
0: <laughs> okay, yeah. not quite Mary Poppins. Oh, yo, uh, Florence. Yeah, yes. <laughs> But even those scenes, you're talking about (laughs) Cillian Murphy's expressions, even in those scenes, it was the same. Like he wasn't, he was like having out of body experiences the entire movie. I didn't really see him until that one scene where he kind of broke down crying. There wasn't a lot of seeing him emote feelings while these things were happening around him. And I don't know if that was just his personality or if that was a directing choice or what. But I mean, it also made those scenes still feel, I don't know, almost dry or educational. Like it didn't feel <laughs> like uh, a climax in the movie or or an exciting p- moment.
1: So, So just... Uh, porn out one for example.
0: So, um, I'm gonna do two. So when he's with Florence, Pugh's character, Jean, um, and I think this might be around the first around the time they met, and they're alone in the room, and you know they're doing what they're doing, um, being adults, and then she has them read a book, and they continue. Um, it was like okay, weird, but you know it seems like the crowd that would do this, so okay. But and then they and then towards the end when he's in the interrogation room um, and they're doing this, he's retelling the story with his wife in the room. She's obviously mad because she's imagining what he's talking about and he's being descriptive, which she's also like, why are you being this descriptive It's very disrespectful after the fact. Um, And they impose the scene in that room where they're doing what they're doing, but it's in the room full of everyone. And it was like, those moments reminded me of when you hear about like art classes, people paint people naked. Like it's not an exciting time. It's actually very dry and there's like it's a teacher talking and it's art, right? Um, so this movie, I think did a lot of making this quote unquote art, and you either appreciate it like wine or you think wine is a terrible drink and it's boring, I'll have something else.
1: Yeah, I'll have a soda.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'll have a soda because at least a soda is fun. You know, um, if I have to Google this wine and spit it out and appreciate its tastes and the cinematography and the color and the and the camera pointing this way in the room and the green screens and the actors looking in directions making it feel like it if I have to do all that maybe that's not for me and I feel like for most people that's not for them but no one's saying that
1: yeah I mean that that's what this movie is for me this this movie is not for me um, I probably won't watch this ever again um,
0: I, I do want to watch it again <laughs> I want to see if I need if there's something that I, I'm that I'm not appreciating that I should because I, I still think it's a good movie but is there something else that's going to make it even better? I don't know. Because I'll, I'll give you another example. Before watching this, and I've watched the Barbie movie, before watching that, um, lunchroom or water cooler conversation, right? People who've seen Barbie, people who've seen um, Oppenheimer, people who've seen Barbie are quoting things, talking about characters. Did you see this? That was so great. I didn't care for that. Okay. People talking about Oppenheimer say, did you see Oppenheimer? Yes. Wasn't it amazing? Yes. And they stopped talking because no one actually knows what they're watching <laughs> because it was actually pretty boring. <laughs> That's the difference.
1: Yeah. Um, I think it's filmed very well. It's directed very well. It's acted very well. But the content of what's in the film is boring. It's, it's pretty boring. Um, I do respect it. I, I respect the vision of Christopher Nolan. But uh, just, just not my type of movie. And mm-hmm. I'll rewind back to what you were talking about with those scenes with Florence Pugh. It was kind of awkward. I mean, it, it didn't seem like they were having a whole bunch of fun like they should have. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it was more like business. And then... <laughs> <laughs> and even his I mean, expression at,
0: at a certain point it looked like a business meeting they were sitting across the room
1: <laughs> even his expression I think like the second time that they go at it you know they're sitting down naked in the room and he's just mm-hmm. he has his legs crossed and is in mm-hmm. that he has his face or he, he has his hand to his face like he's contemplating life like hmm what do we do next <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm
1: like, oh, okay, this—it's not exactly what you think it would be no, for something that is, just happened.
0: Is cinema? <laughs> that's <laughs> the vibe that was good.
1: <laughs> I guess so. um That's what Martin Scorsese said.
0: Yes, yes. This is, <laughs> Marvel is not cinema. But <laughs> oh, why does he only point out
1: Marvel? Is, is DC <laughs> yeah. not relevant enough to say that too?
0: He probably, probably. <laughs> you have to like hate them, but at least they're they, they're obviously the the popular ones, the better choice <laughs> of the two. Yeah.
1: Um we can talk about maybe some of our favorite parts of the film. Sure. Or if you have any. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: so my favorite. Um honestly, and it's not much, but my favorite part of the film was the Albert Einstein payoff at the very end. Um, for a couple of reasons. One, because we get to hear what he said to Albert Einstein um, and why he walked away so upset. Um, so I just like whenever we get that perspective after a movie's been done, um, we get to see what the conversation was. I also like it because it was at that point that Robert Downey Jr.'s character, Strauss, um, hears from the guy who's in, the, I guess, the back room waiting on the congressional hearing to end, who says, you know, maybe it wasn't about you after Strauss went on this three hour rant about why it wasn't about Oppenheimer. Um, and it was after he was kind of lied to and he didn't know what was going on on the scenes for him to say, maybe it's not about you was a, I think a, a very cool moment. Um, and then lastly, because of the um, visual effect, like a split second for the movie ended, you have the beginning of what looks like an atomic bomb affecting the skin and clothing of Oppenheimer, or you know, kind of flakes off first from the burning, um, which is kind of all the extent at which we see in this film of the effects of the atomic bomb. Um, they kind of hint at it with the no sound, the bright light, and then the this, this stripping away of the skin. So we see that on him, and it's the last image we see. So we get to reflect on how he feels. Um, which you could argue is a very privileged standpoint to say you feel bad after you've killed hundreds of thousands of people. Um, Somehow you feel bad, just like the death they must have endured um, is deep. Does he get to feel that? Is is he worth that? Is he being too self-righteous, to Strauss's point? Um, Or is this a heavy burden that he has to bear? Is he a sympathetic character? You have to ask yourself all these questions at the end after you think it's over. with that last scene. So I think it's the best scene in the movie. Um, It's also signifying the end of this very long film. So I guess that could be a fourth reason, Um, but that would probably be my favorite bit.
1: Okay. Yeah, that was pretty interesting. Um, You know, he did have a relationship with Albert Einstein, um, one one of the greatest minds out there. And um, I remember him saying something about... I don't know if it was Strauss or somebody who said that. You know, I'll introduce you. He's like, oh, no need. I already know him. <laughs> like right. he's known him for years, and they have worked together before. Right. So, um, you know, that was pretty interesting. That payoff that we get at the end, and in some ways, I think he is a sympathetic character, but also, okay. you know, you kept going. You you led. It, it led to this because of your curiosity. He could,
0: he could have stopped. You're right. But he says, well, if I stopped, the Germans would have went ahead. We don't know the Russians could have did it. Um, so I, it's this weird moral high ground he's choosing. So. Yeah.
1: Um, you know, I guess we all try to validate our reasons for doing things. So right. <laughs> that was his reason. Uh, I think my favorite part of the film, if I could just pick out just one part, is probably when the bomb actually goes off or when they show like the testing portion, because we don't actually see the bomb get dropped on Hiroshima. And I think there was another place, but in Japan, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're leading up to this point where, you know, they've done all this testing, um, got everything in order. We got the button masher, the people who put the bomb in a little casing and you know they're miles away and um you know it, it's a countdown this is what this has all been leading to and probably the most exciting part of the film because the rest of it is just talking <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and for this portion there's not a lot of talking I mean you just see the anticipation of what could happen. Um and I think the no talking is probably the best part of the film. Because you can just see the looks on their faces. Like, what if this goes wrong? Are we going to blow up the world? Or, you know, if this goes right, now we can use it on other countries because we have weapons of mass destruction. Um, So I thought that was probably the best part of the film. Um, And it was also interesting seeing how some people use different things to look at it. Because, of course, the explosion is very bright and some of them they were laying on the ground turned the opposite direction and when they mm-hmm. heard it they put like some kind of i don't know almost like those glasses that we put on for the eclipse
0: mm-hmm. right some kind of polarized film
1: yeah <laughs> but um you know that i think i thought that was pretty entertaining
0: yeah i wish they had done like i don't know if it would have been like a pan out or something but to see in relation to how far they were from the bomb because for me, it was kind of hard to place the different distances everyone was at Um, because it kind of just cut from looking at it and then looking away. Yeah. Um I like, not... They're definitely going to die, right? Those guys outside.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it did look like they were kind of close based on yeah. how the camera flipped. But no, they weren't really that close. Um yeah. And of course, I guess, you know, they had lighting around the where they had the bomb but you know the bomb went off at night and Mm -hmm. I guess it was pitch black after the bomb went off you know after all the destruction was gone maybe but
0: maybe the lights broke maybe I don't know
1: well of course yeah I I would think that those lights that were around the bomb definitely broke but I'm not sure if they had lights out where they were you know how far they were um, but you know that that was pretty interesting. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure about anything else.
0: <laughs> I mean, I think the bomb was uh, before the end, the bomb going off was my favorite scene. So, I I I agree the way it was filmed. I mean, choosing not to. Well, I mean, it's just how an atomic bomb works. But I've never I've read about it, but I've never seen it displayed in that way um almost in real time of what it must have been like but i've seen like documentaries i've i've seen like um the people in the street um the 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 fossa the fossilized bodies from the atomic blast uh miles and miles away how you can see the different you know their patterns in their clothes and those patterns showed up clearly um, in the ash or in the petrified skeletons. Um, so I've, I've seen those things in documentaries, but it was interesting seeing it from the perspective of this film and the how it happens so big and so fast. there isn't sound at first and then it's this bright white light and it makes you it makes you think it, it kind of put you in as close as they could without being graphic or disrespectful of those who died. Um, what it must have been like when it happened.
1: Yeah, um, I'm pretty sure it was highly unethical to just drop a bomb in uh, Oh yeah, near where people live.
0: Right, and then to cheer about it, I can't imagine today if the U.S. did that. <laughs> um, people just being like, oh my gosh, USA, USA. There would, I mean, people would be mad. We Actually, it <laughs> needs to be a covert operation with a drone that we never talk about.
1: Well actually in some of the research that I was doing um I saw where people were questioning how many times mm. have some kind of testing done or some kind of testing that has been done like this and yeah. we have never known about it you know Right uh where they test out all the weapons that they have cuz you know they, they got to make sure it works
0: Uh-huh And where does that testing happen
1: and how close has it come to humanity being ended?
0: Yeah. <laughs> never know. Yeah. Someone knows.
1: Yeah. With the right clearance. Uh-huh. Which Strauss was trying to get away from Oppenheimer. Uh, right. But um, yeah, that was pretty interesting. Um, but <sighs> the rest of the film... Just a pretty boring film. I mean, I've seen so many people praise it, say masterpiece, masterclass, best of the best, bold, brilliant, um, all this stuff. And I'm just like, "Ah, I really don't see it. I mean, I I feel like it's directed very well and all the content is good, but it's very boring. I mean, it's, it's hard to get through. You feel the time three hours an hour of this film could have been cut it really could have especially with so, all the bouncing back and forth that they do i'm like what 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 are we doing here
0: yeah it's interesting so i'm looking at oscars for best picture over the last few years you had everything everywhere all at once coda no uh no bad land um Parasite, Green Book, The Shape of Water, Moonlight, Spotlight, Um Birdman, Twelve Years a Slave, and Argo are the past 10 of those films. Some of them are of that more boring, I would say, um, style. Like, I mean, I love Parasite, but yeah. you know, you might think, well, some people might think I was kind of boring. I don't know. That was one I loved. Um, but that was critically acclaimed. Um, Moonlight, Birdman, similar. Um, but then you have every, Everything Everywhere All at Once and uh, 12 Years a Slave, um, even Chip Water, where it seems like it's like a more interesting film or something that more people would get into. Whereas be No Man Land or, and Coda to an extent. Um, I in mean, *Parasite*, fall into the Oppenheimer category of works of art that I think are an acquired taste. but we'll all say is good.
1: I don't think *Parasite* is a acquired okay. taste. I mean, I, I, there is—you're
0: right. It is a much. It is much easier to watch.
1: Way easier to watch. I mean, this is just totally serious. There, there's no other tone in this film. In *Parasite*, you get a you know, kind of silly feel to the movie at first. And then there's a switch. And this is just one straight, you know, boring. We're monotone. We're just talking like there's there's not much of, there's no room to breathe in this.
0: Yeah. I get it. It doesn't, it's, it's, it's a wonder how it can appeal to so many audiences when it does so little to do so. Um, And just staying in its lane. Um, But, I mean. People are raving over it. People who have never said the word Oppenheimer day in their life. Are raving over it.
1: Probably didn't know who he was.
0: Right. (laughs) Probably kind of still don't.
1: (laughs) I mean. um, well, Let me see if I can look at some audience reviews. Um. Well, they're only giving them five stars. Uh, but one says it's actually the best scientific biopic made after the Theory of Everything, a cult classic cinema. Uh, Christopher Nolan outshines in his te- technicality experimentation of direction, with subjectives and objectives clearly shown in black and white that two on an IMAX reel. Uh-huh. it's a what the way they spell this is wrong but i get i guess it's a clever intelligent, intelligent and bold move to stay with your opinion on what you want rather than being a fear being fearful about your work this film i guess this this person is like i guess a huge christopher nolan fan but anyway yeah i mean I guess people are raving about it. I mean, they say powerful technical. Killian um, Murphy seizes his moment and turns into a mesmerizing portrayal of moral torment. Um, I haven't seen a lot of Killian Murphy's films. Seems like he's always working with uh, Christopher Nolan. Mm-hmm. Um, But I get the same thing from him in most of the films. Even in Inception, he does some of the same stuff. You know, just looking with his mouth open.
0: (laughs) It's his thing. (laughs) And his thing is more cinema than Kevin Hart's thing. Wow. (laughs) I mean, Kevin Hart isn't in any of these Oscar award-winning movies. He's not getting super well-known directors.
1: Yeah, he's not hooking up with the right directors. Um, but he's probably made more money.
0: I don't know. I feel like Kevin Hart is like Walmart. I mean, they're everywhere, and they're making a lot of money because they're everywhere, not necessarily because they're the best. You know? Yeah. I I, I don't know. I I know that means he's making more. He's he's done a lot, but is he actually making more? I don't know. Because I think he is. a lot of these people, you know, when you win an Oscar or you're nominated for an Oscar, it gets you more money by default, right? Even if your part is smaller, like smaller in a movie, you still make more than another person who is a side character simply because you have an Oscar. So I think even people who may be in films less often, um, because of their status, they make maybe two or three of Kevin Hart's movies in one movie.
1: Yeah, um Killian Murphy. For his. <laughs> Killian Murphy. Now these aren't always right, but mm-hmm. Killian Murphy his net worth is 20 million dollars. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's a lot of money. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: But it's uh wait. Kevin Hart $450 million. Ooh. So that's, it's not even close.
0: That's not even close. <laughs> he's a hustler. It reminds me, it reminds me of um, Steve Harvey. Steve Harvey once said, um, Oprah can afford not to work. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason why he does stand up and Family Feud and that judge show for a little while and the radio show because he's trying to make money, right? Um, Shaq. Shaq is a huge entrepreneur and business owner and investor and that's where and he's on Sports Center, you know or whatever um, so that's how he's getting his money so yes Kevin Hart's net worth is a lot more he's he's working more does that mean he's a better actor I don't know he just he just works more
1: oh yeah I'm not saying he's a better actor sure. I'm, I'm just saying that he's definitely making money
0: yeah he's making money he's out there <laughs>
1: I mean, I, I've seen him all over the place, and he's he's working hard. So four hundred fifty million sounds right.
0: He has a couple of uh, bands uh, or brands under his belt as well. Athletics, I know, is one. I'm sure he has others as well.
1: So, um, yeah, Killian Murphy, twenty million. Yeah, that's that's good. That's cute. That's, That's
0: cute.
1: But uh, Kevin Hart is like, let me show you how to do this. Now, I, I guess maybe acting wise, actually, I wouldn't say that he's too much of a better actor. Um, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, I guess I'll, I'll give him that. But
0: yeah,
1: Kevin Hart's definitely making more money.
0: Yeah, making money, make more money. Um, we'll see if, if this gets Oppenheimer and an Oscar. I feel like this could be. Robert, Robert Downey Jr., I could see him getting an Oscar for his role.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, I think a lot of people downplay superhero films and mm-hmm. um, don't really think that they deserve any awards, Right. but he should have won one of these for one of those films already.
0: Yeah, yeah, I could see it. Um you know the same way I, I still think Angela Bassett last year definitely. I think she really got the Oscar over um uh Jamie Lee Curtis, um, but she got an honorary Oscar, so that's something. Um, but
1: well, what did she uh, win it for Jamie Lee Curtis?
0: Everything, everywhere, all at once.
1: Oh, okay, I don't know why I'm thinking. And- that came out last year so yeah i, right. I was thinking something else
0: <laughs>
1: mm, mm. i'm flies but, uh, <laughs> oh, i was uh, thinking back to last year for the slap you know <laughs> oh because <laughs> i was thinking that it was for that year but the movie came out that year so it wouldn't mm. have counted right so um yeah uh but she got it for that. I mean.
0: Yeah, it's like I don't I wouldn't even consider that her best movie, but <laughs> that's what she got it for. So what? I think she should have got an honorary Oscar and LaBazilus should have got the real Oscar. Yeah.
1: I, I guess since the movie won the best picture. It did. I guess, but yeah, I don't I really don't see why she won it for that.
0: No. Or even over um cause she went up against the daughter in that movie. Um the one who I thought was doing a lot more acting than Jamie Lee Curtis.
1: Yeah, and she wasn't really in it for that long.
0: Right. So it was surprising they and of a you know, this Asian cast, you know, they they still find a way to make the white lady the one of the most important parts. When she was a side character, it just <laughs> it just felt like it just felt like it, they didn't read the room. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean if you're gonna I'm not saying you just give it to them for like lifetime achievement award, but I mean, I think that that was the moment to mm-hmm. give it to one of you know that that type of character right, so yeah, missed opportunity um but let's go ahead and give this one a rating, so the lowest rating is trash, middle is background noise, and the highest is a banger. So how'd you rate the film Oppenheimer?
0: I would rate this film. <laughs> I would rate this film a high background noise, (laughs) which is a low rating for this kind of a film that's going to get this kind of attention. It's going to get Oscar nominations. It'll probably get at least one, maybe two. But in reality, if this were a movie back in the day, and you were at Blockbuster, you wouldn't pick up this movie. As much as people, you know, as much as I think, there's so many technological things and there's so many different ways why it's so important to the history of film. This isn't the average American's film. It they, is in fact literally background noise.
1: Well, for some reason they're going to watch it because it has made a mo- lot. <laughs> it has made a lot of movie or a it, lot of money. Sorry.
0: I think people are watching it so they can say they. Can try to so they can try to understand it. Or you know? also
1: get on the hype, you know, the get Barbenheimer.
0: The, <laughs> the marketing was the marketing was great for this movie. That's that's who should get an Oscar, their marketing team. Yeah, because making a movie about a scientist splitting atoms. One of the best movies money-wise of the year.
1: But didn't like the trailers make it seem like it was, you know, gonna be a lot of explosions and mm-hmm. Yeah, there's only one explosion
0: right <laughs> the
1: rest is just talking
0: right the movie the the uh, trailer has made it seem more like the Wolf of Wall Street fast paced all these important or maybe you, uh, you still haven't watched I think Vice but no it it reminds me of Vice and Vice was more but, but Vice is more interesting um, but it's these historical figures it's stories you kind of already know told through all these amazing actors I don't, but you get this. so people people are watching it but I was, it's, I was talking to someone today about it and they were like yeah it could have been half the time of this movie it didn't need to be 3 hours um, <laughs> you know. and I think people are just afraid to say that because it got so much hype marketing and fomo and hype has I think everything to do with its success.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, it's still, I think, a well put together film. Oh, yeah. I'm just trying to be respectful, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it's very boring. It's really, <laughs> really, really boring. Um, <laughs> so my rating is a mid-level background noise. Because uh, yeah. yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of background noise. Um I mean you'll probably miss a whole bunch of stuff if you don't pay close attention. Yeah. Um it's very long, 3 hours. Could have cut an hour out of this, still would have been the same movie. But yeah. uh yeah, um it's a masterpiece for um the movie buffs, uh the cinephiles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um Yeah, people just want to get on on the hype, and uh, it's it's fine. It's fine. Not for me.
0: I think the fact that people still say Oppenheimer and Oppenheimer (laughs) is everything you need to know.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure which one it
0: is.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think I've said it both ways while we've been talking.
0: You've said it both ways. (laughs) I'm going to stick with Oppenheimer, but the fact that people still can't pronounce it. <laughs> you to know? <laughs> uh, because people, if you ask somebody to explain this part of this movie, what would they say? They would say it's about the guy who made the atomic bomb. Did that sentence really mean anything to you in watching this movie? Because, you know, I don't, the movie did a lot in three hours. So it's an oversimplification, but you go more in depth, you kind of get lost.
1: Yeah, really, I think a lot of it is about the back and forth between Oppenheimer and Strauss. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Like all that background stuff. A lot of it is about that. I'll say about maybe 65% of the film, even though he's not on screen the whole time with Strauss. Yeah. He's kind of like an opposing figure in it. Right. Uh. But you know, acted very well. All, oh, yeah. all the actors did very well.
0: Yeah, all of them did an awesome job. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't, I don't believe this deserves the hype that's gotten. I think it can still get awards. I think it should, but I don't know that it deserves the hype that it's gotten around it.
1: No, nah. the Barbenheimer. Um, uh
0: huh.
1: I mean, people, I, from from what I've seen, um, a lot of people have talked about the failure of uh, all the blockbuster or uh, big summer movie films this year uh-huh. and people wanting something different. And maybe that played into it.
0: I think that's the narrative the media wants you to believe. <laughs> I, think, I think there are people who wake up every day and say, how can I crap on Marvel today? And that's how they start their life. And this gave them the opportunity to do that. How can I crap on huge huge studios making these movies and they just being successful because they exist? And they found these two movies and particularly Oppenheimer. And they said, this, this is cinema. This should be praised. So I'm gonna go and watch it five times. I'm going to tell everybody who's watching Barbie to go watch this. And I'm going to make it successful. I think that's what happened. There was effort to make this successful. The same way that you know DC fanboys propped up all those movies, the Justice League movies. I think that's what happened here. In the name of cinema, we must make a movie that is so boring and that's so historically accurate and so technical, we got to make that worth more than Avatar, more than Marvel for the sake of movies. I think that's what happened.
1: I think it's a combination of things. Um, but when you compare the two Oppenheimer and uh, Barbie,
0: mm-hmm.
1: clearly people want to see Barbie more. Oh yeah. It's made twice as much money. Right. A billion dollars. I mean, that's crazy.
0: Yeah.
1: I haven't seen it yet, but I plan to.
0: Yeah, I think it's it's one of those movies where um, there's multiple angles to it. Um, there's jokes that kids won't get, which is great. Uh, it's another one with a bunch of famous actors in it that you wouldn't expect to be in it. Um, and some messages you can take home and actually talk about when you leave the theater without looking up at the source or a dictionary. <laughs> that makes a popular movie in America. Oppenheimer does a couple of those things. And it's been and people have forced it to be on the same level. But yeah. I but I don't think Barry's getting any Oscar nominations. Uh he kind of just doesn't.
1: They they might get like costume or something. I don't know.
0: Costume and set design. You're right. Um, but I don't know, best picture or best actress, supporting actress, that kind of a thing.
1: I give them a Lilo reward.
0: Comedies comedies don't make it that high. Yeah. For those kinds of things.
1: Yeah. Um, But any other final thoughts about Oppenheimer or Oppenheimer?
0: I mean, (laughs) if you haven't, if you're watching this, you're probably trying to find reasons to justify why you think it's so good, which is fine. but I think I think if no one's giving you permission, it's okay to say, you know what, I didn't really like it.
1: Yeah, I'm one of those people. I didn't that really is, like it.
0: That is okay. As someone who did kind of like it, I think it's okay to say, you know what, not for me.
1: Yeah, it's not for me. It was a struggle to get through this. Um three hours. Maybe if it was yeah. two hours, I would have felt better about it. But no. Three hours is way too long.
0: Yeah. And the reason and I know because it's it wasn't not not interesting to me or, or it wasn't um, so boring to me is because, you know, I fell asleep during a Transformers movie and that, <laughs> and that that's hard. So um, <laughs> the fact that I and I stayed awake for all of this, I think, says something. Yeah,
1: that's a big accomplishment. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think the that theater. Oh, yeah. In the theater that's that, that's huge i mean for me i mean i'm paying for a movie and I, i'm i'm gonna pay attention even if i'm suffering
0: whole third <laughs> act but, yeah, I, I, I was gone.
1: because <laughs> i mean it didn't make any sense no <laughs> um but i think that does it for us at a reviews thank you everybody for listening Make sure to check out our other platforms, including YouTube, Instagram and Twitter, which are all linked in the description. And if you want to send us a message, click the message link to get featured on the show. And thanks for listening.